everybody. It's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. Welcome to The Way Radio Live. Glad you guys are here. A couple notes I wanted to make or a couple comments about last week's message. Um, I quoted from the story of Mr. Gaynor down in Australia. And a friend of mine contacted me after he listened to the podcast version and said that he had heard that that is a tough story to verify, that it is uh, by some considered to be an urban legend. Um, I tend to believe it's true. I'm going to do some more research on it. Um, I've always been inspired by that story over the years. Um, regardless of that, I don't think anybody's going to argue the fact that the point of the message was very valid. Uh, we have incredible power when we proclaim the gospel, and we're not always aware of what the Lord's going to do, what kind of things he's going to accomplish when we are proclaiming his word. So I think it's important that that's what we focus on. But I did want to put that out there. And then the other thing was that video was removed from YouTube because I talked about things that I guess are against the World Health Organization's push uh, to get the world vaccinated and the Centers for Disease Control's same agenda. So they removed it from YouTube. So what I'm going to be doing, I think over the coming weeks is transferring everything over. I've been looking at a few different platforms. And I think what I'm going to do is probably start placing the videos on um, Rumble. Seems like a really good platform, easy to use. I believe I can record live through it and um, uh, broadcast just like I'm doing here through StreamYard, but I'd be able to do it all in one location. So I'm looking at that, and I think what I'll do is, um, because I am going to go into very much my concerns about what's taken place through the coronavirus thing over the last year or so, and what I feel the dangers are regarding the vaccine. So obviously, if I'm going to be addressing those things um, in coming messages, probably won't last too long on YouTube, uh, which is fine. I think for anybody out there that's trying to preach the truth and trying to uh, help people to wake up from the slumber that so many have been placed in because of what we've been told over the last year or so. I think it's a badge of honor to be warned or, or kicked off some of these platforms. And luckily, there's still some out there where we can teach the truth and uh, not be eliminated for or silenced for it. So I'll let you know more about those changes as we go forward. Give me one second. background music was just a touch too loud. Um, so the, the title of the sermon is today is The Truth Will Set You Free. Let's pray and we will get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to gather here. Uh, Lord, it is always such a, a blessing and an honor to be able to uh, preach your word, to be able to learn of it. And Lord, I ask that you would Bless each person that hears this message, that you would comfort the suffering, that you would open the eyes of the blind, that you would open the ears of the deaf, that you would shine the light that's only found in you into the darkness, uh, that more would know you and come to understand the truth of your gospel. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The truth will set you free. What an important message for the times in which we live. And I want to begin with a few questions to sort of preface this message and help get us in, in the right mindset. First one, how will you live if America continues to move away from our founding principles? And I'm talking about 
uh, the Christian principles that America was originally founded on. Nobody can argue the fact that we're moving more and more into a society that is just absolutely polluted with immorality and hatred and division. And that's what happens when you move away from godly Christian principles. So how will you live in an America if we continue to move away from those founding principles? What will you do if and when professing Christ and his gospel becomes illegal? How will you deal with that? What will you do as you see more and more professing Christians accepting and going along with worldly lies and propaganda? I've heard so many friends of mine that I've spoken with or communicated with just over the last week that are just absolutely blown away with how many people that they know, friends that they have, uh, that they're losing friendships, uh, relationships are being severed because these people are forsaking the Christian faith because they've been so brainwashed by the lies that this world just relentlessly presents them with. And we're going to see that more and more. So again, what will you do as you see more and more professing Christians accepting and going along with worldly lies and propaganda? How will you edify and equip your family for the times ahead? This is an extremely important question for families, especially fathers, or if, if you're a single mom and you're trying to raise your, your kids in a, in a Christian way and according to Christian principles, how will you edify and equip your family for the times ahead? Probably the most important question of all of those that I've presented today. So let's look at John 8, 31 through 37. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Now we've heard this phrase, even non-Christians have heard the phrase, the truth will set you free. And it's used often in even secular context. I know when I was in the whole Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step thing, which is completely antithetical to the, to the Christian faith, that was one of the, the slogans that they often use, the truth will set you free. And I've often angered people in that program by telling them that that is actually one of the few phrases in AA that is true. Because when I learned the truth of the gospel and what AA was really about, I was set free from the trappings of AA and the 12 steps through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that did happen, but not in the way that they intend, obviously. But I think understanding what it really means, the truth will set you free, is very important for these times in which we live. And like I said, in the times that we are moving into, you will need to cling to the truth like you never have before if things keep going downhill as they continue day after day right now. So let's look at verses 31 and 32 to begin. So Jesus said to the Jews, I'll put those up on the screen here. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth 
will set you free. So he's saying the Jews who had believed in him, and he's referring back to verse 30, where he had been preaching. He had been talking about the fact that he is the son of God. Basically, again, you see the Pharisaical Jews responding negatively in the majority to the message of the gospel. But some of them were starting to believe in him. So that's what he's referring to, the Jews who had believed in him. But the question you have to ask yourself here, and it's a question that I think is very important all through the history of the church, is did they believe in acknowledgment or did they believe in him for salvation as their Messiah, Savior, and Lord? And we'll get into this in a little bit more depth further on in the message today. But that is a very, very important question. It's very easy to say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in him. But there's a difference in just believing in Jesus as a historical figure that you believe existed. Or maybe someone who was a great teacher or a great example of uh, how to live a spiritual life or someone who you know left us with this great self-help program. If we follow with the examples that he set, that's to believe in him. But what we're talking, what's important is that we believe in him for salvation as our Messiah, our Savior, and our Lord. So very, very important that we understand that a shallow proclamation or acknowledgement of saying you believe in Christ does not mean someone has placed their faith and trust in Christ. Very important. If you abide in my word, the King James Version says, if you continue in my word, and that's the Greek word, Meno, which means to abide, to remain, to dwell, to continue, to endure. Those could all be uh, definitions of that Greek word, meno, to abide, remain, dwell, continue, endure. If you abide in my word. Jesus is warning that one of the signs of true, genuine, saving faith is abiding, continuing in his word, continuing in belief and in obedience according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we don't just hear the word, flippantly say, I believe in Christ, or I'm a Christian, and then just move on through our life and our Bibles gather dust. That is not to abide in the word of Christ, obviously. So he's talking about a very, very deep level of commitment here, really beyond our own ability. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we go forward. Look at Matthew 10, 22. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And remember, one of the definitions of the Greek word meno, or to abide, is to endure. And we see that phrase quite often in Scripture, the one who endures to the end will be saved, especially in the book of Revelation. But consider what precedes Matthew 10.22. So Matthew 10.22 says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And, and what is he talking about? That follows on Matthew Matthew 10, 21, obviously, which says, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, when we read that, obviously, that's a horrifying thing to consider. Brother delivering brother over to death, the father his child and children will rise against their parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated all by all for my namesake. I don't think anybody listening to this is going to argue the fact that before 2020, that had a different flavor than it does now. 
that seemed like something, okay, the Bible tells us that these things will happen, and they've happened in the history of the church, but we know that they're going to happen in the future of the church as well. But over what we've seen happen in the last year, this verse is a lot easier to picture in a common context than it was two years ago. Because of what? Because of the division and the chaos and the insanity and the hatred that we have seen grow, not only in America, but all over the world. Families are being divided over things as ridiculous as mask wearing. Families are being divided over issues like, should I or should I not get the vaccine? Christian groups and churches, are you will see being divided, especially over the vaccination issue. It will be a huge point of contention, and we're already seeing that. So it's very interesting. What's the next level of that? How, how far can they push that? Because the powers behind all this are striving for division. If you divide your enemy, you have control over them. And the fact of the matter is those that have brought about what we're going through now if you, if you understood their mindset and you studied how they think and the things they've done throughout history, you realize they are your enemy. That's why they're trying to divide because it gives them more control and more power. So we can see these things happening and we can see it to, to the point, just, just imagine a very committed Christian follower of Christ in a family confronted with other family members who have completely rejected the gospel, have bought into the, the world, and now have been brainwashed to the point and misled to the point that they think that the, the only way for them to survive and for the world to survive is to put a stop to this Christian message. It's happened before in history, and I believe we'll see it happening again. But my point is, it doesn't seem as far-fetched as it did just a year and a half, two years ago. Why will brother be against brother, father against child, children against parents, and believers hated by all for the name of Jesus Christ? Why would that be? Why is that so offensive to so many? Look at Ephesians 6, 12 through 13, and I've shared this with you guys before. This is the crux of the problem. This is where our enemy's headquarters is located. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. So what we're seeing, as I've said before, is a cosmic spiritual battle that has been going on for ages intensifying and now spilling over much more profoundly and obviously into the physical realm that we inhabit. And I'm going to get into that much more in the coming weeks and months. I've, I've just been putting a ton of effort and time into studying this truth that is, that is sadly neglected so much nowadays. But I think we have got to start paying attention and understanding what is meant by rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. What are the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places that we are supposed to arm ourselves against? So we're going to be diving into that in much more depth going forward. So we're told that we, take, we are to take up the whole armor of God, and we do so by prayer, by abiding in God's word, abiding in God's word, today's message, by worship, by fellowship, by service, by obedience, and by being conformed 
to the image of Christ. That's how we put on the full armor of God. So we're protected against the things that we will probably have to battle against more intensely as time goes by. Looks, look at uh, Hebrews 13 or Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in, in any evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. What is one of the admonitions that the Lord gives to one of the churches uh, in Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches? Do not forsake the love that you had at first. Get, go back to that genuine, passionate, clinging to Christ that we should have never have lost, but quite often as we're influenced more by this world. Hold to your original confidence to the end. You see? For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence for to the end. What Paul's talking about is do not forsake that gospel that brought to the cross. Do not let the world corrupt and influence and stain what you have in Christ. Endure, persevere, refuse to compromise, live boldly, courageously, and confidently on the narrow path of salvation, and do not be swayed from it for anything. Our original confidence is the pure, sacred gospel of Jesus Christ. And also what we see here is our assurance of salvation. Folks, what he's asking us to do is beyond the capability of, of humans to do. We live a supernaturally powered existence when we are in Jesus Christ. Like I talked about when we went through the Beatitudes, and if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord gives us commands and guidelines on how to live according to his will. And the thing that you realize is you cannot do any of those things without God's grace empowering you supernaturally to do so. And we will not persevere. We will not overcome and be victorious without God's supernatural power. Look at Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Cling to the truth of the gospel. Abide in the truth. Never swerve from it for anything. If we abide, if we abide in his word, it shows that we are his disciples. And because we are his disciples, we will know the truth, and the truth will set, set us free. If we abide in his word, it shows that we are his disciples. We don't become his disciples by abiding in the word. Abiding in the word is evidence of the fact that we are true disciples. Just like the Beatitudes, you're not blessed if you're meek. You're meek because you're blessed. You see, make sure you get that right. But what are we set free from if we know the truth? If we know this, Christ says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. What are some of the things that we are set free from? We're set free from sin and its enslaving hold. We're set free from the sinful desires of the flesh. We're set free from our spiritual enemies. We're set free from this world. We're set free from error. Discernment is so lacking nowadays, it's 
pitiful. I had somebody last week who's got a master's in divinity. He's a pastor. And when confronted with a false teaching that he was involved in and clearly shown that, it, that their writings directly contradict the writings of Scripture and the gospel of Jesus Christ, he refused to see it. He refused to practice discernment. So sad that that happens all the time. Discernment is so important. So it saves us, it, it frees us from error, and it frees us from the lies of the enemy of this world. And I want to expand on that point just a little bit. Isn't it fascinating when you look at this situation that we've been going through over the last year or so, that the division in this tends to fall along political party lines and tends to fall along, I guess you could say, spiritual lines. Not completely. There's a lot of gray area there. But those that tend to want everyone in the world to have a mask on tend to be very much of the liberal left. And those that refuse to wear a mask because they've taken the time to really investigate what's going on, obviously I'm in that camp, tend to be very much on the political right. And if we look at Christianity, liberal Christianity, progressive Christianity is tending now to go along with mask mandates. Those are starting to fade away now, but now the vaccine agenda, they're going along with it, where more conservative Christians that are more grounded in the word of God are realizing the dangers, taking the time to research and go in the other direction. It's really fascinating. So the lies of the enemy we will be set free from if we abide in God's word and look at everything through those eyes. How do we abide in the word of Christ? What does it really mean to abide in the word of Christ? What is Christ really talking about? Look at Matthew 4.4. 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Folks, when you're reading the Bible, you are obtaining more than I think you ever will realize until, you, until you're with the Lord and his kingdom. It strengthens us, edifies us, and gives us blessings beyond our ability to comprehend. We are to, we, we cannot live by physical bread, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how precious and perfect and powerful it is. Look at John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the, the living word of God. John 6, 56, he tells us, whoever, did I miss one there? There we go. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, I've always had a lot of interest in that verse because when I was out there in the AA thing, there's many atheists and um, Anybody that's been in it knows if you even mention Jesus in most meetings, you'll get hissed at. There was a man that used to go to a meeting I attended who was a staunch atheist, and he would make fun of Christians because he believed that, that Christians were basically vampires because we were commanded to drink the blood of Christ. Obviously, he had no understanding of what Christ was talking about here. But Christ tells us, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He's talking about that spiritual sustenance, that spiritual power that we get by feeding on the word of God, which is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, John 15, 5, Christ says, I am the, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything that a Christian does in life is empowered by the power of God in Jesus Christ. As Christians, we abide in the word of God's grace, in the word by God's grace and by necessity. It is our lifeblood and our joy. Our rebellious desire for sin is replaced with a desire for Christ and his word. That's where that heart change comes in. You don't believe until you've already been regenerated and born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And because you have been regenerated and born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're, you used to desire rebellion against God, a life of sin, following the ways of the flesh. That is replaced with a desire for Christ and his word, which is what strengthens us and enables us to reject what we used to be and the way we used to live. Look at John 14, 15 through 17. This one is such a beautiful verse. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Again, you will abide in the word because the Holy Spirit enables you and empowers you to do so. So how can we keep Christ's commandments unless we are abiding in his word? Even on a practical sense, you cannot keep the commandments of Christ unless you abide in his word, unless you're studying his word, because how else would you know what his commandments are? Unless the Holy Spirit regenerates us and we are born again, we cannot see or hear the word of God. Obviously, we can hear the word, read the word in the Bible, the words on the page, but they do not, we do not understand and see them as the word of God without the leading of the Holy Spirit. The perseverance or preservation of the saints. Perseverance is a distinguishing sign of those who are truly born again in Jesus Christ. We will see that more and more if times continue to, to, continue to get darker and darker as we go forward and there's more and more attacks on the Christian faith. That's You'll see more and more fall away because they just can't stand up under the pressure that this world will apply to try to crush the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But those that continue to seek him, follow him, and don't fall away will shine brighter and brighter and we will see more clearly who the true disciples of Christ are as we go forward through times like this. John 3, 3, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because we have been blessed to see the kingdom of God, our joy rests with Christ and we persevere until we are with him in his eternal kingdom. Part of what motivates us and strengthens us is that hope that we have for that better country, that moving towards that eternal kingdom with Christ when we no longer have to deal with what we're dealing with here. That's the blessing that we are moving towards. Now let's look at the, the, the last part of this section here from John 8. John 8, 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. So in verse 33, where he says, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? At this time, what, what we see is these Jews, again, are seeing what Christ is saying through worldly eyes and they're hearing with worldly ears. The Jews had been enslaved by the Egyptians, the Philistines, the Assyrians, and others, and they were currently under the oppression of the Roman Empire, yet they see themselves as free because of their, fit, because of their physical lineage as Jews. They thought because they were the chosen people, they were free, and that's all they needed. They couldn't see beyond this political freedom that they thought they had, which they really didn't have. In verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The depraved human, human nature drives to sin and enslavement. There is no way out other than by the grace of God. And you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. The slave to sin is driven with the lash that sin hits them with on the back. In Christ, our slavery is in love. We want to be a slave of Christ. So two totally different types of slavery. Look at Romans 6, 22 through 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So there is no way out of the sinful, depraved human condition other than by the grace of God. And that's why Christ is saying in verse 34, he's telling you everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, regardless of whether they are physically from the line of Abraham or not. Again, acknowledgement is not the same as truly believing and having genuine saving faith in Jesus unto salvation. Profession is not the same as possession. One can profess Christ and not possess Christ, the same point that I made at the beginning. And that's what we see here in a way that the, that the Pharisaical Jews are trying to claim by saying that they're children of Abraham. So automatically they are children of God. And what Christ is trying to explain to them is that they are not. Look at 1 John 2, 18 through 19. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. What Christ is talking or what uh, is happening here in the book of John is he's making the point that Christ's followers here were concerned because some had left the church. This is probably one of the first times that that had happened. How could these people walk with us? How could they hear the gospel? How could they be part of this group and then fade away? And he's saying they were never really part of us. And that's been the same since the beginning of the church. And then in Matthew 15 and 8, 8 and 9, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So you've got to ask yourself and test yourself, am I making a genuine, true profession of Christ, or is it flippant 
shallow and a simple acknowledgement of a historical figure. Again, that same point that we talked about at the beginning. Then in verse 36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. He's talking about being free from the slavery of sin from which all this evil springs from. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again, this is where we get into that uncompromising position of the Christian faith. It is not all-inclusive, and it is intolerant of anything contrary to it. There is only one way of salvation, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. The only way to true, lasting, eternal freedom is to be freed from sin and reconciled to God in and through Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. That only happens in and through Jesus Christ. We are bound in a death sentence in sin until Christ frees us from it. Look at Acts 4, 11 through 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And the last verse uh, verse 30, we're talking about verse 37 here. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. So he's addressing the fact that they think because they are born Jewish, they automatically will have salvation in a coming Messiah that they do not believe Jesus is. But notice Romans 9, 6 through 8, and this is where there's a huge blessing for us. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. He's talking about the line of Abraham. Not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. That's what God told Abraham, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. But this is the key sentence. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counting as offspring. So when God made this promise to Abraham, what he was telling him is that the believers that will come to faith in Christ, the Messiah that would eventually come through his family line, those believers are the true Israel, the true temple of the Lord. And I was just speaking to my parents about this yesterday. We've got to be very careful about obsessing on Israel and Jerusalem and the temple there. Folks, when Christ died on the cross and it said there was an earthquake, the rock split, and the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, the temple at that moment became a historical relic that is unneeded in a spiritual sense. Why? What did Christ say shortly before that? Destroy this temple, pointing to his body, and I will rebuild it in three days. He is the new temple. Those in him, his body, the church, are part of that temple. So we don't need to obsess on this rebuilding of a temple in Jerusalem. The temple from that moment on, when Christ died for our sins, 
rose for our salvation, the temple was then him. You see, the nation of Israel is quite often obsessed over by Christians. I think it's going to be very key, and I think special things will continue to happen with the nation of Israel, the true nation of Israel, in the coming in coming months and years. And I think God will do a very special work there. But what you have to understand is Christian believers, those in Christ, are the true Israel, the spiritual Israel that the physical Israel, the children of Abraham physically prefigured, were leading to. Don't forget that. And the reason this is so important is quite often people think the Antichrist is going to go set up this abomination of desolation in the temple in Jerusalem. But if you realize that, that could be referring to the temple that is his body, the church, and you realize that that is happening all over the place, abominations are taking place in the church all over. So it'd be very easy for an Antichrist just to take, to, 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 to take power in a modern Christian church and start practicing abominations, you start seeing what I'm talking about. So don't get totally hung up on the nation of Israel. Realize that the spiritual Israel is what we really need to focus on, but pay attention because it's, it says in the time of the end, when the, when the time of the Gentiles is completed, then we will see Jews coming to Christ and a remnant of the Jews will be saved. So we'll get into, into that more later on. Ephesians 6 says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. So what he was talking about is the two became one. Gentiles and Jews were made one in Jesus Christ, and those believers are the true nation of Israel. And I'll close with this verse because it's a beautiful meditation on what we have and we've been blessed with in Jesus Christ. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They comfort, confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And I think that last sentence is such a beautiful picture of what it is to know that the truth has set us free. We have been brought out into a broad place. We've been rescued in Christ because he delights in us. Praise the Lord for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And I just ask that you would enable each of us to abide in your word more and more, that we would abide in you completely, that we would have the courage and the confidence and the boldness to reject the ways of this world, to stay on the narrow path and to seek you with all that we are. Please guide us in the coming week. Help us to do your will and to serve and glorify you in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, our sponsor for The Way Radio is Elephant Walk. You can find us at elephantwalk.net. Caring in every step reflected in the quality of our products and the efforts to combat poverty and support wildlife conservation that our sales help support. Uh, we import products mainly from Kenya right now. We'll be adding more countries soon. But a very big part of this business enterprise is to enable us to expand the ministry and to provide jobs and economic opportunity for people in countries where those things are very hard to come by. And I'll share a story with you soon about a child that's been able to go to school. I, I think I've already done it a couple months ago. I'll share it again. Um, and we continue to work with his father in our business. 
And at this time, we are his only source of income. And that's not a brag. It's just uh, the situation that's going on in Kenya because of coronavirus lockdowns have just absolutely crippled the economy for so many people and, and moved so many into severe poverty. And it's a blessing that we're able to uh, help some of them um, at least survive through these tough times. Uh, one thing I've added in the last week or so is if you go to elephantwalk.net and you make a purchase, all you have to do is type in the way at checkout for 10% off. Uh, that's all lowercase. Just pay, just type in the way and you'll receive a 10% discount at checkout. Um, if you'd like to visit our website, you just go to the way r122.org. I just put some new pictures on there of our new location in Nairobi, our new headquarters at Pastor Patrick's church, and also of some of the kids at the school in Kisi. And we hope to be able to expand those locations this year and to be able to provide opportunity for more of the kids to attend school and to establish the Bible school at Patrick's church. You can subscribe to the podcast at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for The Way Radio in the search field. You can listen to a lot of other great podcasts there. At least for now, you can find us on YouTube at The Way Ministry Church. I'll be shifting that over to probably Rumble starting this week. And we need all the help we can get so we continue to continue to do the work that we do. And if you'd like to help us out, you can donate at The Way, the letter R, 122.org, and just go to the, don to the donate page when you're on the website. All right? Thanks so much for being here and listening today. And we will be back here next week, same time, same place. God bless you guys. Take care.